Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. If you've uh, been with us the last few weeks, we've been in the series called How to Overcome a Bad Day. Um, today is week seven, really the conclusion of the series. Um, we've been looking at these seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. Um, he was there hanging on the cross. It was really the worst day he'd been through. He'd been through a few of them, but this was really the worst. We call it Good Friday. Um, it, we call it that because it was good for us, right? And it's funny how sometimes we label things, how they affect us, but not how they affect other people. Because for Jesus, it was really a terrible day. Um, but he's going through this um, to, so that we could be part of the family. And so we've been looking at these seven statements because he makes these statements kind of as Jesus does from a, a place of pain to give us, uh, teach us a lesson, to give us a framework for our lives so that we can overcome in our own bad days. Because we have bad days. You know, there's a saying that is, you're either in a bad day, you just come out of one, or you're about to go into one. That's encouraging. Um, you know, so maybe you're in the middle of one, and these messages have been encouraging you. Maybe you're not in a bad day right now. I just encourage you, keep those notes, because you're going to head into one soon. <laughs> I'm not confessing bad things over you. I just know that's how life goes sometimes. We don't want to be uh, blindsided by things. We're going to be prepared. We're going to be on alert, realizing that things are going to come, right? Um, that's why Jesus said, don't be afraid, don't lose heart, right? We don't have to because he's overcome the world. All right. So, man, we've been looking at these. Last week, we looked at this whole idea of be assured that there's a purpose and an end. Really, that's a statement of hope. What I want to look at today is the seventh statement. Um, and it's really a statement of trust that Jesus makes from this place, right? Jesus is there on the cross, and he's really showing us, like, here's what you do when. When all... All hell breaks loose in your life. Here's what you do. When things seem to be falling apart, here's what you do. When things don't seem to be going your way, when you can't catch that break, here's what you do. When someone who was close to you said they loved you, hurt you, here's what, they, here's what you do. He's given us this example. We see this picture of using his example as a way to overcome. It comes from our theme verse, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, verses 2 and 3. Today I want to read it from the message paraphrase version. It says this. It says, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. So I love that phrase, the race that we're in. So he began the race. That means he was in the race. He was on this earth. He lived as just like we did, went through things, the good, the bad. He finished his race. And we can too in the same way. But so, so he knows what we go through. So when we come to him, we're like, Jesus, I'm struggling with this. He's like, I've been there. I know that's hard. Like he can relate to all that we go through, right? It's, that's great. So what do we do about it? He says, so study how Jesus did it. Study how Jesus finished the race. Study how Jesus overcame because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. We know uh, Hebrews tells us in a, in a previous chapter that Jesus is actually making intercession for us. So he's not in a barca lounger next to the Father. You know, he doesn't have his feet up, kicked back. Like, he's there making intercession for us. So he's mediating between us and the Father, right? He's our representative to the Heavenly Father. That's a good place for him to be. So what do we do? Verse 3, he says, So when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, or when you find yourself in a bad day, when you find yourself struggling with something, go over that story again, item by item. Go over Jesus' example again and again, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline 
into your souls. Come on, somebody, that's good. That's, that's where we're getting this idea of looking at Jesus' example so that we can overcome, so that we can finish the race that God has called us to. So I want to um, start today in Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 46. And if you missed any of the previous weeks, you can get those on our podcast or the website. Verse 44 says this. It says, It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun had stopped shining. That's a crazy moment. Did you think about that? It could be like if we walked out of church here in a little bit and the sun like stopped shining. People would be freaking out. There would be no bread in the grocery store. It would be like hurricane season, you know, like craziness going on. You know, and here Jesus is on the cross and the sun stops shining. And it says this next phrase, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. It's an interesting detail that Luke um, adds to the story here is that the temple, you know, the, the veil in the temple was to divide the Holy of Holies from the, the regular parts of the temple. The, the Holy of Holies would have been where the presence of God would have been, where the high priest at, at specifically designated times would enter in after, after going through all the ceremony to, to cover sin in his life so that he could enter into God's presence. He would enter into that place and there he would, he would uh, atone for the people's sins, right? He couldn't go in anytime he wanted. Nobody else could go in. It was, it was a very restrictive thing. You couldn't just enter in or else you like, would die in that moment because we would have sin in our lives. And in the presence of God, like sin cannot remain, right? And so here's this picture of Jesus on the cross. The son is, uh, Jesus is about to die. And it says the temple veil was split in two. It was torn right down the middle. I love it because here in this moment, as Jesus is paying for sins, he's literally removing the barrier from people to God. Right? There's been this barrier for all, all of time until this point where we couldn't come to God. But now Jesus is paying for sin. And now we can come boldly to the throne of grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. We can come to the presence of our Heavenly Father because of His grace and the mercy that He shows us because of what Jesus did for us. That is good news. Come on, somebody. I need somebody to say amen right there. It's so good. So good what Jesus did. Here's, and here's the final statement Jesus makes in the next verse. He says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. So here's the final principle for us. If we're going to overcome in our own bad days, if we're going to finish the race God has set for, out, for us, it's this. is finally surrender our day to God and let it go. It's finally surrender your day to God and let it go. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Maybe for you... You know, that word day is a different word. Finally, surrender your worries to God and let it go. Finally, surrender your fears to God and let it go. Finally, surrender that thing you have to have control of to God and let it go. Right? Finally, surrender to God and let it go. Y'all thought Elsa came up with that phrase, let it go, but it was Jesus. <laughs> it was Jesus. She's a copycat. It's all right. So it's surrender. It's surrender. So often it's a term that we throw around. I surrender. We sing it in songs sometimes. But what does it really mean? When you look up what the word surrender really means in the dictionary, right? Surrender is to literally take my authority, my, uh, my rights, and give it to somebody else. Right? So we know that we have free will. I have the right to decide where I'm going to go. I have my rights to decide what I'm going to do right? and who can speak into my life. I have that right and that ability. So when I surrender, what happens is then I say I take that right to make those decisions and I 
give it to somebody else. That's what it means to surrender. So, so often with Jesus, when it comes to surrendering to Jesus, we uh, like Jesus as our Savior, we got that fire insurance. You know, I've got to put that fire insurance in my back pocket. Like, fire insurance. You get that on the car ride home. You know, <laughs> hell is hot and fire and salvation gets us out of hell. Okay. So we, we like the saving part. He saved us from our sin. Now we get to go be in heaven. But, but are we as comfortable with the, the Lord part, right? Because he's our Savior and our Lord, right? So we've got to get to the place where we can surrender some things, where we can surrender our will and say, I have the right to make decisions about who I'm around. I have the right to decide what I do with my life. I have the right to make the decisions about how I invest my finances and and all those kinds of things. I have the right. But when I'm surrendered to God, I take that right and I say, God, this is yours Tell me how I should make these decisions, right? And then when he says something, then I go because I'm surrendered. And so often we just say we surrender parts of our life. We say, God, you can have this part of my life, but I'm going to hold on to this part. It's like we're trying to co-manage our life with God. We're trying to co-manage our problems with God. You know, it's like, I got this part. I can handle this much. You do all the stuff that seems impossible. Well, that's not how God works. See, we can either trust God with it or we can trust ourselves with it. Like, there's not a middle ground of saying God gets this part and I... No, when we surrender to him, he gets it all. Um, it's, I would say it this way. It's either our problem or it's God's problem. All right, I'm, I'm preaching a little better than y'all. Amen, but that's okay. Um, when Jesus said this statement, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, he's actually quoting scripture, and I want to show it to you today because it's interesting um, the correlation that Jesus makes in this moment to giving his life and surrender, what it means for us. Psalms 31, verses 4 and 5 is where it's found. It says this. It says, keep me free from the trap that is set for me. Let's say, what's the trap? I'm glad you asked. We'll, we'll see it here in the next part. He says, for you are my refuge. And here's the part Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit. So deliver me, Lord, from, uh, my, deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. So the psalmist here is showing us this trap of when we don't surrender and place things into the hand of the Father, right? There's a trap there. It's called worry because when we don't let go of some things, when we hold on to everything and we keep it to ourselves, what do we do? It leads us to a place of worry. And worry is a trap. It's a trap because it causes us to look at all the things that we can handle. And then I begin making decisions, not out of faith. When I had, it was in God's hands, I make decisions out of faith and who he is and his nature and what he's done for me and where he's brought me. But when I begin to worry, now I begin to think, oh, what do I got to do? I got to make sure this is okay, now I'm making decisions out of fear, out of my own ability. It's no longer based in faith. And now I find myself stuck in a place. How did I end up here? Because we entered into worry and we allowed those things to become our decision-making process rather than placing something at the, in the hands of our loving Heavenly Father and, uh, and making decisions based out of faith, right? Worry is such a trap for us that if we're not careful, it can get, we can get drugged into because I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> but there is a bazillion things to worry about. Anybody see, right, relate to that? Like you can worry about your health. You can worry about your school. <coughs> you can worry about coughing in the middle of your sermon. You can worry about your kids. You can worry about your car. You can worry about, am I going to get in a car wreck today? Like maybe, but I don't know. Like why am I going to worry about something that might not happen, right? I might worry about, I heard a funny story <laughs> um, about a guy who went to the doctor to get his checkup, and he's like, 
Um, he's talking to the doctor about all of his you know, medical concerns, and the doctor's like, listen, don't worry about it. I, you're going to make it to 60. You're going to be all right. And the guy's like, well, I'm 60 already. And see, he, he was like, see, I was right. <laughs> see, sometimes we worry about things that we can't control, right? Because worry is just trying to take the control of something. That's what we do when we worry. I need to have the control of it. It's trying to control the uncontrollable. And when we worry, we begin, to, we begin to focus down. And all I can see is this thing that I'm fixated on and that I'm worried about. And I miss out on the bigger picture because I'm so dialed in and zoomed in on this thing that God actually has a bigger picture for us in our lives to do. If we can let go of some things that are eating up all of our energies, it's taking all of my focus just to make sure this is happening. When in fact, I wasn't created for that. I was created to make a difference, but I can't because I'm, I'm so focused down here on this thing and I'm so worried about it. God has a bigger picture for us that when we let things go, he can open our eyes to see those things that are going on. Come on. So we're going to stop worrying. I, y'all, last week I uh, showed you some funny church signs and I came across another one this week I wanted to show with you because it's so funny. It says, don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> and I don't think they meant it that way, but it's so true sometimes when, when we worry, we need somebody to worry with. We want somebody to help us, but it's such a trap that when we worry, it can lead us to that place. Oh, that's funny right there. So today, I want to talk about how we get out of that place. How, how do we let some things go? How do we let worry go? How do I really surrender to God? And I want to look at it uh, from Jesus' most famous sermon. Uh, it's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And if you haven't read it in a while, maybe you've never read it, I encourage you Take some time and read that. It is a beautiful passage of scripture, and it will be a blessing to your life. But I want to start today, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 24. Jesus um, is speaking here, and he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Um, and the word worry that's used in this passage comes from a Greek word that means a divided mind, right? A divided mind. So, um, what he's saying is like kind of saying like, um, I got it. No, you got it. No, I got it now. No, you got it. Like it's that double-minded. It's divided mind, right? And we know scripture tells us a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways, right? So he says, no one can serve two masters. So really worry is a question of um, where, where have I put my trust? What, what am I trusting in, Right. He goes on, he says, either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now here he mentions money, and you're like, Pastor, we're talking about worry. We're not talking about that giving message. You're right, but it's interesting what Jesus does here, because what he's, he, he mentions money, but I really believe it's much deeper than that, what he's mentioning, because money is just such a surface-level, outward expression of what's already inside, right? So what he's mentioning here is really much deeper than that. He's really saying either you can take care of you, or I can take care of you. Either you can handle all your problems and all your issues, and you can try to break some things off your life that you haven't been successful all this time breaking off your life, or you can let me break those things off of you. And right, you you can provide for all your needs, or you can let me provide for all your needs. Right? That's that's really the heart of what he's getting to, and he's really just illustrating this point of you can't have it both ways. You can't have one foot over here and one foot over here and have a little bit of control and a little bit of God. He's saying either you'll hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one and, and hate the other. It's one way or the other. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and control. Come on. So that's what he's saying here. So then he goes on. He says, what does this have to do with worry? Let me tell you. He says, therefore, I tell you, um, do not worry about your life, 
Don't worry about what you eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Then he says this huge statement, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? There's a bigger picture God is trying to get us to see. He wants us to, to let some things go, to get away from worry in some things because there's some things that are just so much more important than what I'm going to wear tomorrow and am I going to have enough food on my table? Listen, you're going to make it. God has got you more than you realize that he's got you. Yeah. Right? You know, nobody, um, <laughs> when, when we leave this earth, you know, and in case you didn't know, the statistics are one out of one. It's 100%. <laughs> one out of one die, okay? <laughs> so when we leave this earth, right, no one is worried about, did I get the latest iPhone upgrade? <laughs> well, my house only had 2,100 square feet, and their house had 2,600. Like, nobody cares about that. In those moments. So, why do we spend so much of our life, so much of our energy, so much of our money, so much of who we are to gain that extra little thing when it doesn't really, what does it matter? It doesn't matter a whole lot. That's what Jesus is trying to get us a bigger picture. What matters is his kingdom, what matters is people, right? Coming into the kingdom, right? So, he goes on, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, they don't have a 401k, and yet their heavenly father feeds them. They're taken care of. They don't have a retirement plan. Are you not much more valuable than they are? The answer is yes. Yeah, you are. He says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? <laughs> like, no. Actually, science has proven that the more that we worry, it actually affects our body in a negative way. So by worrying about, is my health going to be good enough? Like, we're actually is doing more harm to our body than we're doing good, right? Right? It's trying to control the uncontrollable. He, Jesus goes on. He says, so why worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor. They're spent. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like one of these. And watch Watch what he says next. He says, if this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? <laughs> There's that part at the end. You're like, okay, Jesus. <laughs> right? You of little faith. You know, it's like the question is like, why do, why do we have such little faith about these things? Why do we spend so much worry on these things? Why, why can't we have more faith in, what, in, in God and his word and what he said? Why is it that we respond in such a way of little faith to just things that come our way that aren't that big in the scope of things? So often we spend our energies in that way. God is wanting us to get our energies refocused, to let some things go, to put some things in his hand so that he can release what's in his hands that he has for us, that he wants to lead us into, but he can't take us to those places because we're holding on so tightly to this thing that we think we have to make happen. Come on, somebody, we're going to have to let some things go. That's what it means. Like you thought Carrie Underwood came up with Jesus take the wheel, but this, that's surrender right there. We got to let Jesus take the wheel. Come on. I know it's not easy, right? It's not easy, but we can do it. It's doable. We can do it. Jesus gave us the example, right? He's showing us in all these things. And um, so I want to give us three things today um, that are just practical things that we can do every day to begin to let worry go because we've got to make that decision 
It's got to be a decision. It can't just be like, oh, I let worry go. No, it's got to be a decision followed up by some actions that I do on a a regular basis. When worry comes, because worry comes out, I know worry comes at me all the time. I don't know about y'all, but every day I'm having to deal and battle with worries, things that, you know, in my family, things in leading the church and and all those kinds of things. I've got to deal with those things. And like, we've got to be ready. We've got to be equipped. So in those moments that what comes out of me is the word of God rather than just a response in my flesh or something out of fear, right? That's why it's so important that we have the word in us. And I would say this verse, Philippians chapter 4 Verses 6 and 7. Man, this is a great life verse. This is one, like, I would tell you, commit to memory. Like, hide it in your heart. Get it down in there so that in those moments when worry comes, because it's coming, right? It's coming. doesn't matter how spiritual you get. It's coming. So in those moments that we're ready to fight back, so that we're ready to not let it take hold and take root in my life. I love this verse. Here's what it says. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Another translation says, don't worry about anything. What do we do instead? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So in summary, don't worry. Instead, pray. Don't worry. Instead, pray. Tell your neighbor, say, don't worry. Tell that second choice. Your other neighbor say, instead, pray. Yeah, don't worry. Instead, pray. And listen, prayer, sometimes we get in this place where we think prayer is where we've got to sound like we're a British king or something. Like, dearest heavenly father, in thou place where thy reside. Like, that's great. If you like to pray that way, more power to you. But you don't have to pray that way. And sometimes we think, like, if, like when we pray, we've got to sound like a warrior poet. You know what I mean? It's got to sound like, oh, that sounds spiritual like you know but but listen prayer is just talking to our heavenly father it's it's communication with him so sometimes prayer is like just thanking him for this day god thank you for this day like like sometimes it's like god where are you what's going on prayer is communication with him it's 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 saying god here this is yours it's that moment that's prayer it's, it's, it's this, that's why Paul says pray without ceasing. It's not so that we would always just be in this position, right? It's so that all throughout my day, I'm aware of the Spirit of God in my life. I'm having this dialogue, and somebody's having a conversation with me. God, what, do you, what is the response I should give to that person? What is the decision I should make in this place? Like, like it's, it's, that is prayer. It's that place with him every day, right? So we, I love what happens when we do that, right? Because God always gives us like, hey, do this, and here's the promise if you do it, right? I love this part. Look what happens when we do that, when we don't worry. Instead, we pray. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a promise to hold on to right there. So the peace of God is far more wonderful than I can explain to you. It goes beyond human description, like the peace of God, which passes all understanding. So people that don't experience it can't understand why you're doing so good when things are going crazy around you, right? Because it's the peace of God. And what happens when we, we stop worrying and we begin to pray, then the peace of God begins to rush in, right? And all of a sudden, like, it guards our hearts. Like, all of a sudden, I feel, begin to feel strengthened on the inside. Faith begins to well up inside of me. I begin to have joy because now in my mind, I can begin to think, clearly i can begin to under hey no that's actually kind of a foolish way to go thank you god for giving me clarity there's no more confusion i don't feel cloudy anymore i've got clarity i've got peace right i can move forward because i've got joy i've got the presence
presence of God with me. Now I'm feeling strong like, devil, what you got? You thought you could hold me back with that thing? Like, come on at me. Right? It begins to change the picture. Everything begins to change when we begin to stop worrying, we begin to pray, and then the peace of God begins to invade that place. And here's the thing. Uh, you can't take my word for it. You've got to just experience it for yourself. You've got to try it because it's, it's unexplainable. It's unattainable any other way. Right? That's what he's saying. It transcends. It goes beyond understanding. You've got to just experience it. So this afternoon, maybe, worries come. Tomorrow morning, worries come on your way. We've got to get on the 408. Like, oh, my gosh, what if I get in a car? Well, what if you do, but you're not in one right now, so let's just give God some praise where we are right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's begin to replace some worry and begin to pray. And, man, the peace of God is going to invade you. It's his promise. It's his word. And he, he will do it. So how, here's the three things I want to give us today. How do, we, how do we let worry go? Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Because we need to get to know God. We need to get to know God. Maybe you're thinking right now, Pastor, I know God. Well, then you need to add the word better. <laughs> we need to get to know God better. It's so important. Why is it so important? Because the more that I know him, I can trust him more. The more I know him, the, the better I know him, the better I can trust him. Because right? that's, what, that's what surrender is. like. So if worry's at one end of the spectrum, if worry's over here saying, I've got to control everything, I've got to keep everything in my hand, trust is at the other end of the spectrum. Trust is over here. Right? They're at opposite ends of the spectrum. So you can't have a foot in both camps. So if, if I'm going to trust him, I've got to know him and know that he's going to be there for me, that he's going to be faithful, that he's got my back, that that's his nature. He's trustworthy. Jesus uh, continues, Matthew chapter 6, we'll just continue down these in these next few verses. Verse 31 says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear for the pagans uh, or those who don't know Jesus, those who are lost, the world? They Chase after all those things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them, because that's who He is. He knows the, the things that we need. He knows that we need a place to live, and He knows that we need food to eat. He's going to provide for us in greater ways. Sometimes we get thinking, well, the only way I can put food on the table is if I just work myself to the bone to make sure I got a paycheck, as if that's the only way God can bring food into our house. Man, God is greater and bigger than a job we could get and a paycheck we could bring home somebody. Come on. He says, so why do we worry about things? Uh, the, the message paraphrase actually says this verse this way, verse 32. It says, people who don't know God in the way that he works fuss over all these things. <laughs> like, so if we don't know him, yeah, we're going to be worried about things. So if, I'm, if, if we've got worry going on, man, we need to get to know him better. Because once you know him and you know his faithfulness and you know his goodness, that he's a good father and he didn't withhold his son from us. So why would he withhold any other good thing from us? Then you don't have to be concerned that God's got me. He's got this. He's got me better than I think he's got me, better than I can realize he's got me. Here's the second thing to let worry go is that we need to put God first in every area of our lives. We need to put him first in every area. Tell your neighbor, say every. Every. In every area of our lives. Verse 33, it says this. He says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Sometimes we just put our energies and all that we have into so many other things, not realizing that all those other things just aren't the thing he's called us to do, that we have giftings and we have a calling that he's called us into. But when we chase after everything else, when we put all of our energies into achieving our own things and all this other stuff, that that 
really isn't what he's called us to. That he's called us to a place to seek after the will of the Father. Isn't that what Jesus showed us in the garden? He said, not my will, but your will be done. So he's showing us in that place, God, I want to do this instead, but you want me to go this way. And he shows us that picture of surrender of, okay, my life is yours. Your will be done. That's the place that God leads us into. That's where he's calling us into because he made us. So he knows the giftings and the passions that he put in us. Sometimes we talk about surrender and people are like, that means I can't do what I like to do. No, 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 no. That's not what that means. That means that God put us together. He gave us dreams. He gave us visions. He gave us abilities and skills. And he gave us a calling so that we could accomplish those things. And the more that we begin to follow in those things, man, you're just going to find that there is joy, that there is passion, that there is energy and purpose. And because of that, like there's no burnout. There's, there's none of that like, God, oh, I just, no, because I'm chasing after the thing that God made me to do. So man, I can do it with joy all day long because man, this is what I'm gifted for. This is what God made me to do. And it's just, he's just going to amaze you how he brings things back where we might have surrendered some things to him in a moment. And you're going to find out he's going to bring things into your life that bring you so much joy. Things that you, oh, he's so good, y'all. He's going to amaze you. He's going to bless you because that's who he is. When we begin to seek after his thing before we begin to seek after our own thing. And I just tell you, you got to be bold to do it. People talk about it. I don't know how many sermons have been preached on this this message, but probably one's even better than mine, you know, whatever. But so many times we talk about these things, but it just takes those who are courageous and bold enough and just just a little crazy enough to do it. God, I just give you everything. And then tomorrow I'll give it to uh, God. I give you everything. I'm not taking it back. What, what do you have for me? It just takes boldness. It takes a little bit of courage to do those things. And I'm just, he's just calling us to that place. Here's the third key. If we're going to let worry go, so we need to live one day at a time. One day at a time. I'm not talking about not making a plan. It's important to plan, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to waste energy and focus on worrying about something I can't control. I'm going to live one day at a time because the devil, he just wants to rob us with worry. Verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for itself. So true. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself, but I'm in today. I can't change anything about tomorrow. I'm in today. So when I have an opportunity to love somebody, guess what? Right now, I'm going to love somebody. It might not be who I, who I hoped that God would bring by my path. It might not be, you know, I, I had, the, you know, whatever. I thought I would be in this place by now. But today, I'm here. So what can I do right now? Sometimes we, we worry and it's like, you know, don't open the umbrella before it rains. Right? If, if you came into church today and I had my umbrella out, and I was preaching to you like this, y'all would be a little freaked out probably. Somebody would be on Google, Googling like churches near me, right? Because you'd be like, pastor's lost it a little bit. Why does he got an umbrella? He's inside and it's not raining. But sometimes we just open that umbrella and we begin to worry before things even happen. Well, someday, what if I get a diagnosis about what? Like, well, someday, but today is today and you didn't get that diagnosis today. So why am I worrying about it? God has something better for me to do with that energy today than worrying about something that may or may not happen tomorrow. But so often we open that umbrella before it starts raining. And all it does is it blocks me from seeing the sky and the clouds and all the wonderful creation God made. Right. Doesn't scripture say I'll open the windows of heaven over you and pour out blessing on you so much so that you cannot contain. When I've got that umbrella, 
Guess what's just shielding me from all that stuff? God, all the blessings God wants to pour in my life. And I've got to hold on to it. It's my decision to hold on to that umbrella. As long as I've got it in my hand, I, it's just keeping all that from me. I've got to take that moment and I've got to put that thing down. Like, don't open the umbrella. Like, we've got to live with open hands in some things. To lay some things down at the feet of Jesus. To give some things to him. To let it go and to not take it back. That's really my prayer for us today. If we can just do that in this moment. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you that, man, my, my prayer for us today is that we would leave some things at the altar today. Leave some things in the hands of God that we came in here with today. That we'd have the courage to get to a place of surrender. Maybe we've even planned some things out for the rest of this year, whatever. And God is actually pulling your heart in a different direction. Man, my, my prayer is just that we'd be surrendered today. Maybe you've been worrying about some things, been worrying about your kids. You've been worrying about money or health or whatever it is. You've been worrying about maybe somebody's even worrying about somebody's going to find out about something in our lives and what happens when they find out about it been worrying about all kinds of things today is a day to trust to commit those things to God God into your hands I put these things and to begin to take a step of trust to get to know him better so I don't know where you're at today but maybe you're saying pastor that's me I need need to I've been worrying about things I I need to get to know God better. Wherever you are on that, you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need to stop worrying today. I need to begin to trust. You say, that's me. Will you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Thank you. Hands over there, over here, all over the room today. Thank you so much. I'm, I would just ask, you saying, that's me. I need to lay some things down. Would you just take a bold step of faith and come here to the front and join me here at the front and make this the place. Like, let's, let's put it into action and say, I've been worrying about this thing, but today I'm going to leave it right there and I'm not taking it back. Would you... If that's you, you're saying, uh, you raise your hand, you're saying, would you, would you pray for me? Would you just come join me right here at the front today? Just as our decision to say, God, I, I'm, I'm going to physically show you. As the, the temple was torn, the veil was torn, I'm actually going to take and do an action and say, God, I'm laying this thing down today. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in this place today, that you're breaking some things off of us, that freedom is coming into this place today as we lay things down at, at the cross today, Lord God, as we place things into your hands and give you the control, Lord God, I thank you that you begin to do things in us, Lord God, that you begin to give us courage and faith, Lord God. I thank you that as we let go of worry and begin to seek you, Lord God, that your peace will begin to flood into this place, that your peace will begin to come in wave after wave, peace that can't be explained, peace that can't be understood any other way, Lord God, but that it will begin to guard us, it will begin to guard our hearts, begin to give strength to our hearts, where we felt weary. And we felt weak and burdened down, Lord God, that your peace would begin to come and give us strength in our hearts. Where worry has plagued our mind and plagued our thoughts, where it's kept us up at night. Where we've lost sleep over things, that your peace would guard our minds right now. Yes, somebody has lost sleep. We just declare sweet sleep over you, that God gives sweet sleep to his beloved. You are his beloved child. So, Lord, I thank you that your peace would wash over us. Let's just, right now, if you've got some worries, you've got some things you've been holding on to, just put them in your hands right now. Just put them right in your hands and just just give it to them. God, I give this to you. Give it to them. I'm not taking it back. I'm not taking it back. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this place, that you're creating some new things, Lord God. 
that it's never too late, it's never too far with you, God, because you are the God you specialize in bringing the dead to life. You specialize, Lord God, in pulling us close when we feel far, so I thank you for it, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing. No more worries, Lord God. That is, it's in your hands, Lord God. We commit it to you, Lord God. We're surrendered to you in this place today, so I thank you for what you're doing, Lord God. You're creating all things new in this place, Lord God, so we give you praise for what you're doing, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to go ahead and stir yourself up in the spirit. Lord, I thank you that you're pouring your spirit out on us in this place. Lord God, you're pouring out your spirit on all flesh, Lord God, that we begin to see dreams and we begin to prophesy, Lord God. I thank you for it. Yeah, Lord, I thank you, Lord God. Oh, yeah, even the hidden things, Lord God, those places where dreams have been tucked away, Lord God, that you begin to bring those things out again and begin to refresh those places where we thought that could never happen for me, Lord God. But I thank you. You're beginning to draw those things out. You're refreshing those things that the oil of joy will begin to be poured out on your people, Lord God. The oil of your anointing and the oil of your spirit will begin to be poured out in this place. Just, just lift up your hands and receive it in this house today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. Pour yourself out on us. Yeah. Lord, I thank you for healing. If you need healing in your body, just lift up your hands, receive it right now. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're doing in, in joints and bones and in the marrow of the bones. Lord God, I thank you that cancer has no place. Yeah. Yeah. Leukemia has no place. Maybe you've received a diagnosis where they said tissues, tissues between bones have worn away and you're just going to have to deal with this. I believe that. There's healing. There's healing in the house. There's healing for that. We know it's the will of the Father that we would have healing. We thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes that we are healed. So we thank you for healing in the bones and in the joints right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Just go ahead and begin to thank him right now. Just give him thanks. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for how you're working, Lord God. I thank you for giving me life today. Just begin to tell him. Let's just begin to make some noise in the house of people who are thankful and grateful to our Heavenly Father. Begin to lift up a shout of praise to him in this place. Praise you, God, because of your goodness, because of your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for me. You are my Prince of Peace, so we thank you, Lord. Do you guys receive that today? Yeah. Isn't he so good to us? Yeah.